0: I come to you eager to help you, serve you, lift you up on your goal-setting and getting journey. Now, let's settle in and jump into this episode of the Goal Crafter Podcast. Hello and welcome to this episode of the Goal Crafter Podcast. I'm your host, Monica Ludiki and I'm so glad to be with you. Today, we are going to expand a little bit. On the ideas presented last week, in which I encouraged you to set your three financial goals what you will earn, what you will save, and what you want in your accounts for retirement. Revisiting those goals myself took me back to when we were much younger and just starting out on our journey together. My husband and I had what you would probably call a rocky financial start during, I would say, probably the first 10 years of our marriage. We got married in the 80s and check this out. In the early to mid 80s, interest rates hovered between 10% and 18%. At times, they spiked over 20%. It's hard to believe in the interest rate environment that we've been in lately, and uh, kind of puts in perspective these recent jumps. But, you know, when we first started out, we were fortunate. We had very little debt, just one car loan, and um, I will say that little bit of debt slowly began to grow as we had our babies, and then added a car, and then bought our first home and let me tell you that first home oh my gosh I think I've talked about this on the podcast before but bear with me because that first home that we purchased taught us a bunch of painful painful lessons you know when we bought that home we on the advice of our realtor (laughs) took out Something called an adjustable rate mortgage seemed like such a good idea at the time because we could afford a much more expensive home by paying for it with that kind of a loan. But you know, it was a special adjustable rate mortgage where the whatever the interest rate of the time was, it was lowered a few percentage points so that you could get into the home as first time buyers. However, all that lowered interest was, that was deferred was tacked onto the back end of the mortgage. So by the time we sold that home and we moved from Corpus Christi to Houston, we had literally to pay the bank after we closed, the balance due between what we had sold the home for, and it wasn't a short sale, it was a sale that was for the full value of the home, But we owed so much more money on our mortgage because of all the interest we had deferred over the four or five years that we lived there. So, there was that. And then we bought our home in Houston. Let me tell you what happened there. The first time we sold our home, we thought we were making a really good decision by selling the home ourselves. Because we thought we could save some money on the real estate commission or the realtor commission. So that's what we did. We got an attorney who promised to help us. All we had to do was put, you know, some ads in the green pages at the time and uh, stick a sign out in our yard that said for sale by owner. Well, we quickly had a buyer because the advice we were given was to let someone come in and just assume our mortgage. That meant there was really, we really got no money at the time of closing We just were able to sign the mortgage over to this couple who bought our home. Well, we were pretty excited about that because we were kind of in over our heads at that point. We just couldn't stretch all of our paycheck to cover all of the expenses that we were racking up, building our family and owning this home. Because it was a home that was really too expensive for us to begin with. But anyway, we were trying to make better decisions going forward so we left our beautiful home sold it to this couple and moved into one of the most hideous homes that we've ever lived in it was so blah it was a um, rental that was in the same neighborhood but it was a much shabbier older version of the home that we had sold and We just took our medicine. We just decided to live there for as long as we could take it because we were going to save a lot of money by paying rent and not having all the extra expenses of owning a home. So that's what we did. And we learned to be happy there. Until one day, we got a phone call from our old mortgage company. I thought they were trying to reach us to congratulate us or to tell us that, you know, we had a check coming for some, you know, property taxes we paid too much on or something. Oh, no, 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 no. Listen, what happened? <laughs> they were calling to tell us that they were going to evict us. And I said, well, that's not possible. And let me tell you, you're confused. We sold this home 10 months ago to a lovely young couple. Well, it turns out the mortgage company was actually right Though we had legally sold our home, legally sold our home using a real estate attorney to another couple who had lived there for the previous 10 months, they had not ever made a payment once they moved in. And we, my husband and I, were responsible for making up all of those payments because we had failed to get one very important piece of paper signed and documented and that was something I believe called a release of lien but what it was was basically though they agreed to assume our mortgage there was an additional step we needed to take it and one additional piece of paper that we needed them to sign in order for the liability of the mortgage to go from being on our shoulders to theirs well we didn't know about that we were unconsciously incompetent when it came to selling a home by herself. And unfortunately, the attorney we were working with didn't press us on this. And if she did, I certainly have never been able to remember it all the days of my life. Anyway, so here we were. We were just starting to feel like we were getting our heads above water. As a matter of fact, we had just had just moved into another rental which was a step up from the one that we had been living in uh, and had signed a lease for maybe six months to a year i can't remember the details on that now but uh we had just entered into this contract with a new uh, person only to be told that the home that we had not been living in for 10, 10 months was going to be foreclosed on that was going to go on our credit uh history And thank you very much. So my husband and I put our heads together after we got over the shock of hearing this, and it was a painful shock to get at that time in our lives. So we put our heads together. We looked at what we had been able to put aside in savings in those 10 months, and we looked at what we had in our um, retirement account. And in God's divine providence, we had just enough between the two if we liquidated it all, to make the mortgage company whole on those back payments and all those penalties and all that back interest and reclaim the home. Yes, we did also have to hire another attorney to work with the couple to get them out of the house. Turns out they really liked living there free, but um, eventually we had to go through that painful step of evicting them and then moving back into that home. We had the nicest um, landlord that we worked with at the time. I really appreciate now looking back just how generous and nice he was because he let us walk away from the contract we had signed with him once he heard all the details of our pitiful story. Anyway, we um, moved back into the home. It was in such terrible shape. It had just fallen apart in the 10 months since we had not lived there. Uh, but we shined it all up, got it up, cleaned up, re, you know, just kind of spiffed it all up with elbow grease and moved our little family back in and found ourselves right back at the same point that we were when we had moved out 10 months earlier. 10 months earlier, we had tried to do the fiscally responsible thing. We could see that we were just burning the candle at both ends. We, I was working two jobs. My husband was um, working at a, a job full-time. We had our two little children that were running here and there. And we just, we were doing everything we can could, but we had made a bad decision, a poor decision to buy too much house on the front side with a loan that was um, ill-advised, looking back on it in hindsight. And we found ourselves right back there, but really... Really down under, underneath the ground in terms of having depleted all of our resources to save our credit score and do the responsible thing. Well, that experience, as painful as it was to go through at the time, taught us so many lessons that stayed with us and, and colored all of our home buying and selling decisions to this point in time never again would we buy all the house we could afford never again would we utilize an adjustable rate mortgage nope never don't i know a lot of people who have successfully bought and sold homes with those we just won't touch them with the proverbial 10 foot pole and never again would we sell a home by allowing someone else to assume our mortgage and uh, the other assumption that we made which did not serve us well. Uh, It's a little cynical to say this, but we never again would assume that a professional cares as much about our finances as we do. I mean, there's just nobody who, who will care as much about your financial picture as you, the people who are living in it. So, since then, we've always bought homes far below what the experts say that we can afford. But Still nice homes in great neighborhoods, but you know we stay somewhat on the low end of the scale of the neighborhood, and um, we learn to take advantage of low interest rates or lowered interest rates, I should say. It, uh, once we bought a home, several of the homes we have owned in the past were refinanced multiple times to take advantage of the lower rates that allowed us to pay them off early. I remember think the last mortgage rate that I had I refinanced from five or six percent down to three percent and some change and I felt like I won the lottery it's amazing how much a few percentage points on a home mortgage can make in your monthly payment right we also learned through all of that experience the value of building relationships with realtors as opposed to um, I'm going to say attorneys not spoofing on any attorneys here just in my experience now having bought and sold five or six homes um, working with a realtor they just know the area they have a fiduciary responsibility to their clients and um, they just became our friends and they took a much more personal interest in our success with our real estate transactions so just the value of having a relationship with with a realtor, Somebody that you know and that you like and that you trust can be invaluable when you're making such a huge decision. All that to say, having such rocky beginnings, you know, with our finances, instilled in me this fervor to do all I could to move our family into a position of financial peace and freedom. And let me tell you, that feels so good. Part of that included a goal to live debt-free, except for our mortgage. And once we accomplished that, it became a goal to live completely debt-free, no mortgage at all. Now, there are many, many experts whom I admire so much, and I think they have a point. But you know, and that point is that it doesn't make sense in a lot of cases to invest all of your money, your hard-earned assets into paying off your home. So in Texas, you never really pay off your home though, y'all. These property taxes are for real. So I guess in some ways, if you own a home, you always owe somebody for it. But uh, for the most part, we consider ourselves uh, debt-free and in spite of the arguments for or against paying off your home for us it's the right decision because we know what our values are and we know what's important to us and one thing that is important to us is financial peace and we sleep really really well at night knowing that we have made decisions that have put us in a place where we can enjoy living in a beautiful home that has been bought and paid for Once we got our home paid for, then we got this vision for complete financial freedom where our family could live an abundant life with the assets and the cash flow from enough sources to essentially take care of or underwrite all of our living and our giving expenses. And though this is our reality today, can I tell you, it was a long, disciplined, thoughtful, goal-oriented path that we took to arrive here and for sure we I made so many missteps along the way but each time we learned a few more life lessons so I don't know what goals you have determined for your financial future I hope that you have set those three goals I mentioned on the last podcast and that you have set Generous targets for yourself so that you can be generous in return. That's what I hope. Um, Having said that, recently several of my friends have asked for advice in this arena. And if you too are researching different ideas for financial peace and for freedom, then you might enjoy reading some of the books I have studied in the past that helped me uh, in our financial decision-making. Many of them, I'm sure, are familiar to you, but some may be new and some may surprise you. So on my list, I would say the five most influential books that I have read over the past several decades, uh, none of these are really new books, but they were the ones that made me stop and think and get out my pen and my, my paper and do my... Figuring and planning and plotting and goal setting and uh, reverse engineering and the whole bit so here goes my top five are the richest man in Babylon by George Clayson uh, second would be the automatic millionaire by David Bach there is something to setting and forgetting it people uh, next the legacy journey by Dave Ramsey Followed by Thou Shall Prosper. I know I've talked about that great book before. Thou Shall Prosper by Daniel Lapin. And then the fifth one is the most recent book that I read. And it really helped, I think, helped me put all of our um, hopes and aspirations and dreams together into one clear picture in terms of financial peace and independence and prosperity. So the name of this book is Picture Your Prosperity, and it was written by two ladies, Ellen Rogan and Lisa Quing. So I'll have all five of these books in the show notes, and um, I couldn't possibly just recommend one. I think all of them together kind of informed and helped me develop my... Thinking and my goals and my vision for what was possible for us in our life, given our circumstances, our goals, and what we wanted to see happen. And none of this, I'm aware, could have happened without the blessing and provision from God in heaven. And for that, I am so grateful. I'm so grateful that He. Prospered us in everything that we did. For sure, we had a bunch of roadblocks and big obstacles, some of which I have not talked about today that we had to overcome along the way. But um, it's been—it's still a journey. It's still unfolding, but it's something that um, I find fun and exciting. I love talking about it with my friends, I really enjoy being able to help others um, get a vision for what's possible for them, and I, I am just grateful to have an opportunity to share this information with you today. So for what it's worth, I pray that the Lord will bless you and prosper you in all ways, and that you, my dear listener, will have a smooth path on your journey towards whatever goals you have set for yourself in the financial arena. And I pray this in Jesus's name. Amen. Well, that's it for today, ladies. Go out and get your goals. Did you enjoy this episode of the Goal Crafter Podcast? Or do you know a midlife mama who needs a boost on her goal setting and getting journey? Well, take a screenshot today and share this with her and with your community. And don't forget, I really appreciate it when you take time to give me a review. Want even more? You can find me at sharedgoalsconsulting.com, where I frequently add free resources to serve my fellow goal setters and even post up a few of my favorite photos of my munchkins. That's it for today, mamas and mimis. Be blessed.